Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. On Monday, I had the great privilege and pleasure to talk to a 97-year-old great-grandmother in Milford, Connecticut, which I'm doing for my for-profit business, Voice Locket. One word, Voice Locket. And boy, did she have memories. She did not stop talking from the moment we crossed her threshold until the moment we left. It was such a pleasure. I do this to preserve these priceless family memories uh, of people telling their own stories in their own voices, in their own words. It's really kind of an amazing product. I hope you'll check it out, voicelockit.com, a sponsor of this program. Thanks so much. Here's the show. So this is the thing. I'm a professional communicator. This is what I have done as for a living. I was a journalist. I'm now in public information. I've been doing that for the last six years. I know how to communicate. I know how to get information out. What is the sound of one man listening? This is Man Listening, a fresh podcast featuring the stories of strong women who bounce back. Man Listening, because every woman deserves to be heard. Hey there, I'm Stuart Watson, and welcome to Man Listening. I'm at Pam Escobar in the studios of the Queen City Podcast Network, where she has her own podcast. She was a reporter for WBTV, a native of Philly, as you'll hear, and uh, grew up with a family that valued education. They valued schooling as the way up, as the way to advancement. And so now she's jumping into the political arena, which is, you know, always not for the faint of heart. So we talk about what it means to be a Mexican-American, why she's very proud of that, why that is not one little stereotypical thing. And she is an absolutely compelling person. Um, Pam Escobar, where were you born? Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. How long did you live in Philly? Until I went to college. And then I went to Boston, and I've sort of been traveling ever since. So my mom is also the middle of her siblings. She is um, one of five. She grew up in Mexico, um, Mexico City. And so Spanish was her first language. She met my father when he was studying abroad. Uh, He's very much from Philadelphia. She was working at the university, but she was not a student. So my mom didn't go beyond high school for education, So yeah, what is my mom and me? I think her social, she's very social. She loves to talk to people. She's the organizer. She does everything. And so I think I I definitely get that from her. Her working hard. I mean, she has just always worked so hard um, throughout her life. So she took time off with us when we were little, but then she went back to work. So my dad was in law school. So they met when he was in college. Then they went back to Philadelphia, he told her, I'm going to be a lawyer. We don't move. I'm going to learn Pennsylvania law, and we're going to be in Philadelphia. So this is where we're going to be. And so that's where they were. When he was still at school, he was going to Temple Law. They, I think they lived above a pizza parlor. And um, so <laughs> this she... This is great. Yeah, so she remembers that. Like, So some of the stories, like, you know, people have assumptions of what they think Mexico is like. You know, I say Mexico, they don't know. I look Mexican. People don't believe me when I say that. But I'm 5'1", my mom's 4'11". We're tiny people. We're feisty people. Um, but Mexico is a lot of different things. Um, so anyway, I look... I have a ton of cousins because she was one of five. Uh, I love my family. She grew up in a privileged background. So she had maids. She had a cook. Um, she didn't know how to do any of that stuff. Um, when she moved to marry my father, she came here, and she's living above a pizza parlor. Um, when you say privileged background, what did her parents do? So my um, abuelo, he passed before I was born, but he uh, was an engineer. And then my mother's um, brothers, uh, 
are architects. And then all my, I have a bunch of cousins that are architects. And then my one aunt married an architect. So there's, we have a lot of architects and uh, they're very accomplished. They've done some really cool things. Like it, I think it's such a cool profession that you can like drive around and be like, I did that. Or that museum exhibition, like I did that. Uh, very well educated. My, um, my uncle, my mom's oldest brother, Uncle Miguel, he, um, he is not only an architect, but he's a professor. So he still does that and uh, teaches at UNAM, which is the big university in, in Mexico City. And so when I was a kid, um, I would go to Mexico like all the time. And I didn't know that it was different or unusual. You know, me visiting my family was going to Mexico. Uh, my dad's parents uh, were obviously in Philadelphia and I, we would have Sunday dinners with them and do that. But I would go to Mexico, so I always tell the story when I was in New Jersey once, when we were down at the beach, because from Philly, it's like two hours. Um, I was at a restaurant, and I was like, Mom, do they speak English here? <laughs> because I didn't know, because I, I just knew that... And because that it's Philly, the answer is no, they do not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, um, I don't know where we're going with all uh, this. Well, it, it all goes into you. I mean, oh, it absolutely, all goes into, absolutely. Like who you are. Like we are our parents. We are those influences. Oh, we are, know? absolutely. And the values so, too. Because So let's talk about those values. Yeah. Because that's what my parents had in common was that they're both Catholic. Are you Catholic? I am. You still practice? Yes. You and Liz need to get together. Yes. And just kind of geek out on the saints and the whole nine yards. So, so when you sit there and say, like, all this other stuff, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm <laughs> okay, can, can I ask what parish? So uh, St. Mark's. Okay. In Huntersville. Okay. Because I, I live on, on the, the, the border. Because of all the people who have immigrated here from places like Philly and New York, et cetera, and from Florida, you know, the Charlotte suburban parishes, one yes. in particular, just St. Matt's is boom. Yeah. yeah. When we first moved here, I went to St. Thomas, mm -hmm. which is great if you've ever. Well, anyway, there's people from all over the world. They have a world feast, and it's awesome. It's really, it's a really cool parish, a group, great group. But, I've got to go there. But we, we, um, we switched because. The whole, because I have two girls and I, they have to do Sunday school and I want them, you know, to get the sacraments and do all that. So that's, they have to, they have to go to Sunday school and St. Mark's, what they did right before the pandemic, which is when we switched was they started having Sunday school at Christ the King, mm -hmm. which is right off of Poplar Tent, which is really close to us. So, um, I was like, yeah. That, there's no church that's within like 10, 15 minutes of my house. I have to drive 25, 30 minutes, right? I grew up in Philadelphia. There's a church on every corner. Like I, my whole neighborhood, like you didn't say what neighborhood you grew up in. You said where you go to church. Like it's a big Catholic town and I know that city by its parishes. So I grew up in a world where everyone was Catholic. I didn't know that people weren't Catholic until I went to high school. So I went to a Catholic grade school, first through eighth, and then I, my mom went back to work. My brother was in private school at this friend's school, a Quaker school in Philadelphia. So I was able to go there because my mom worked there. That's when my whole was like, oh, my whole world opened up, and I was like, there are people that practice all different things. And I remember like asking one of my really good friends who happens to be like one of the few Quakers that was at that school. There's not a lot of Quakers in the world. Do you believe in Jesus? I asked that question because not only do I believe in Jesus, but then there's the, you know, the three of them and then <laughs> like the whole bit. I was like, there's rules. We sit, we stand and everything. And when we were in, in school, so I, I started going there for high school, uh, ninth through 12th. And, and I cho I, the choice was between that or Mount St. Joe's. And that was the all-girl Catholic school. And um, I, I chose Penn Charter because I wanted to go to school with boys. It was a very simple decision to me. And your mom said, okay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, would, it was a lot easier. She's, she's where we lived. We lived in northeast Philadelphia. And where the high school was, it's in East Falls. This doesn't mean anything to you if you don't, you're not from Philadelphia. But it's, it's 30 minutes on the boulevard driving back and forth. So, I mean, it was a hike. But going to Mount St. Joe's was going to be a hike, too. Um, so it was just deciding. What now, if your daughters 
said, we want to go to school with all girls. I mean, what are the pros and cons of going to high school in particular, 100% girls, like in terms of just if you're all you're looking at is the learning experience? So it's interesting. I mean, I went to Penn Charter. Penn Charter became co-ed over time. My brother's class was the class of 1992. So they were the seniors. That They were the first class with girls in it. So they had gone from kindergarten all the way through. And then all the classes behind them had girls in them. So I explained that. So I, my class was 87 people. And a third of us were girls. And the rest were boys. So we were outnumbered. Um, so it wasn't like a full 50-50 experience. It, it, it was different than that. I'm thinking specifically in terms of classroom participation, like yeah. getting, getting your voice heard. I understand the, the positives of doing the all-girls school thing. I, I, wasn't, that was, I didn't feel like I needed I didn't think I needed it when I was in high school. And then when I was looking at colleges, I didn't think I needed it either. Um, the real world, in my opinion, is all of us. And so you got to find your voice and use it as soon as you can. And an uh, artificial environment, I don't think necessarily will help you. Well, how did you learn specifically to cut through the clutter of male voices to say, excuse me, that's not what I said. How, so, do, how do you be heard? It goes back to being the middle child. I mean, I have been, my brother and my sister, we, we would settle things with votes. You know, three is a, is, is a number where you can, yeah, you can vote on things, you can gang up on each other, two against one, like all this kind of stuff. And my brother and my sister are very different than I am. My brother's an engineer. My sister uh, now is a uh, physician assistant. Their brains, the way they function, they're just, they, they just see the world very differently uh, th than I do. Um, I think that comes from my dad. My dad has always, uh, my dad is, a lawyer, like I said, and he's now a judge. I guess he's encouraged all of us to have our voice, but I just, use, I've always been using it and never stopped. Also critical thinking. I mean, my, both of my parents are pretty strict. They were definitely a unified front on a lot of different things. And they joke around when we were, when we were older, um, that we just, we were good kids. We didn't push them. They didn't, re he, he was like, you guys didn't know. You, you just stopped, um, asking or pushing. I think, um, so I, so nobody was sneaking out the window or sneaking no, in the window. Mm -mm. No, like we're yeah, I'm very much a rule follower. So uh, how old were you before you could date? We didn't have they didn't have rules like that. It, oh, it wasn't okay. a formal thing. Um, I started dating when I was in high school, um, but I probably yeah, I kissed my first boy when I was twelve. I mean, oh, oh <laughs> so, wow, yeah, how scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, there's not... Uh, I'm not going to give you a hard time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say no. I will not answer questions I don't want to ask. Uh. But I'm, I'm interested because it was just recently pointed out to me, for instance, that there are extremely conservative Catholic parishes, and then there are those that are, you know, and, it, and you can tell the difference, and people will move from one to the other based upon... What's going on in, it's not just politically, but sort of culturally. Yeah, yeah. Like the role of women. Like yes. So I'm, I'm not going to say that, um, so my, my dad went to a Catholic college. I did not, and he really wanted me to. And I think that was my small rebellion, was not to go to the Catholic university. And why not? I wanted, well, first I wanted to get out of Philadelphia. So I wasn't going to stay close. Because? I just wanted to go. I just wanted to grow up. I just wanted to do my own thing. Um, and maybe because I always had this solid base, I, I wanted to explore. But I say that because my father did go to uh, a Catholic uh, college. And he, he said, you know, when you're an adult and learning theology, it's a lot more interesting. Catholics don't believe in, you know, the buffet style of, of Catholicism, which is you pick a little bit of this, I like a little bit of that, or whatever, but I'm not, I don't believe that, I don't do that. I'm, but I am, that's, that's the way I practice. I can't, I can't go along with everything. And I think in high school, it was great, was, you know, my, I had a great history teacher, social studies teacher, Mr. Burkhart, and um, we talked about religion. Religion was part of, you know, you can't study anything, but world history, anything without talking about religion. 
I said, you know, I can't be a leader in my church. They won't, that's not what they're interested in. And, you know, nuns have to take a vow of poverty, but the pastor can have, you know, a Cadillac that his family gave him, and he doesn't have to give, give that up. Um, you know, I would go to the... And you had a problem with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a huge problem with that. I had, I, I it didn't just, seem that God ordained that to you. No, the, the, it's very... Yeah, I have issues with the patriarchy. I have issues with um, hierarchy. I mean, and that's, that's what the church was founded on. I mean, that's, that's the history of it. And they've done a really good job of holding on to that for a really long time. So I, I am raising my children Catholic, and um, my youngest, like, ask, you know, they ask great I mean, they're, they're great. Um, like? Well, you know, just, well, she's asked the question, so are we Christian? Because, you know, people are Christian. Uh, and I said, yes, we're Christian. I said, what that means is Christ. You believe in Jesus Christ. But not all Christians are Catholic. Mm. Um, and so, yes, we are Christian, um, but we, we don't necessarily practice the same way that other, other people do. Is she getting that from schoolmates? Right, because yeah. she's in a world that's not Catholic. Right. We, except on Sunday when we go to Sunday school. Her world is anybody who's in her classroom, mm-hmm. um, which is great. It's great to lear- learn th- learn that, I think, from birth versus at, I guess I learned at 13, right, when I switched to high school. Well, yeah. it's easy to take offense at people's ignorance if they turn to a Catholic and say, are you guys actually Christian? It was like, do you know anything about history? Like, have you studied anything about the history of right. the- of the Christian faith, right? Like where it came from and how it evolved. Right. Do you know who Martin Luther is? That, that's <laughs> how, how you got here. To, you know, how do we arrive at this? And most people that that requires work. Yeah. You know, and the Jesuits they're up to the task. Well, so you that's know, so. My dad went to a Jesuit college, and yeah. he wanted me to go. And I I wanted to go to Georgetown. I didn't get into Georgetown. And when I got into Boston College. Um, I, I decided on Tufts, <laughs> so I went to Tufts. Good school. Great school. They're Learned all... a ton yeah. uh, and had great friends, uh, and that's where I met my husband, so it all worked Huge out. Huge international kind of thing, too. Yes, at, at Tufts and all which, that. which was another... Uh, so I grew up in um, a very Irish, Italian, Catholic neighborhood. So your father is... Irish, mm-hmm. English. Mm-hmm. Um, my maiden name is Cunningham, and my grandmother's name is McConnell. And so um, the Cunningham's actually English, but our people, I think, went to Ireland and then they came to, to the States. Irish, Italian, Catholic. It was in college that I found people like me who are both Hispanic and something else. <laughs> and, and we weren't part of the Latin community or Latinx or whatever at the time. Uh, community. What do you that, say? I say everything. Do you, I mean, I'm Mexican-American. What, but where are you with Latinx? I guess they're getting rid of it now is what I've heard. Yeah, but where are you? What, what do you say? Like where... where I say Mexican-American. I, I'm Mexican-American. But do you ever use the phrase... Hispanic or I do. Okay. I say I'll say Hispanic. It really is whatever the person is comfortable with. Yeah. Do you say Latino? Yeah, and Latina. Mm-hmm. And Lat- yeah, but there's just, right, which is why the X got invented because right. there's people who don't want to identify with O or A, yeah. and so it, it gets complicated. Um, but well, as some people object to Latinx completely, know, and 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 uh, so. The goal is not to be offensive, right? So what people want to be... You're always going to offend somebody. That's true. Um, But I do. I still use Hispanic. But I'm like you. I try to respect. Right. I like... I ask. Right. So I say... Well, that's why I say Mexican-American, because that's definitive. That's exactly what I am. My mother is from Mexico. My father is from the United States. I am both. I have dual citizenship from both countries. I have two passports. That's who I am. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. My mom did that. And it's cool to own who you are. Too, Correct. You know. To, to. So when I got to college, I met all these m- people who are, are both of something else. So my husband is Puerto Rican and from 
his mother is Irish Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so get the Irish in common. I always, uh, yeah, <laughs> right. We, uh, yeah, right. So And we have the Hispanic. Hispanic. Yeah, we have that connection. And then my college roommate, uh, she was, her mom was from Connecticut and her dad was from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our best friends, um, his Chilean, and from anyway. So it's like you start, you, and it's and it's not like you do it on purpose. It's just who you start gravitating to. Um, so, well, that I, has to do with a, like an identity. Yes, and I think in college I really was exploring that. And so my senior project, uh, I was a Latin American studies minor, and I learned a ton, which was helpful. Because when you don't live in the country, it's hard to identify with that. And so, but I basically did like the whole Chicano, Chicana, like experience, read books, study, you know, anyway. So that was helpful. But there's, there's also this sort of idea about Chicano, Chicana, I think of as like. It's almost, California. Yeah, it's like California right. and also. I don't know, this could be wrong, but like these are the people who gave us like the lowriders and a lot of culture right. and there's there's like a certain a kind of artwork and everything else. Right. Um, but you came from No, that's not me. Right. One, a, a, a better for better or worse, uh I don't mean this disparaging, an intellectual, like a, a an academic, an intellectual, people who really prized higher education, et yes. cetera. And that is every bit as Mexican, as, you know, a lowrider, you know. Or the farm workers. Yeah, absolutely. Right. No. Um, and, but, but it's something that a lot of white guys like me never pause to think about just all the art that has just come, you know, from Mexico that we, you know, we owe so much of our heritage, heritage, identity, everything, because of this, because for the vast majority of our lives, it has been a very porous, fluid, yeah. assimilating kind of a culture, a, yeah. a, adapting to right. that, and, and frankly, celebrating it. Yes, so much so that I would just say that when my husband and I got married, so we were living in D.C. at the time, uh, and on our honeymoon, we had like, you know, sort of like the come to Jesus talk, like, what do you want to do with the rest of your life kind of thing? And, um, we both said, I said, I'm not ready. Like we were young, we were 24 years old. I was like, I don't want to get, I don't want to have babies right now. I don't want to buy a house. I don't want to have, I don't want to put roots down that I wasn't interested in that. And we both had studied abroad when we were in college. And I knew I was going to do that because of my father. I was like, that that's an amazing experience. I wasn't looking for my spouse, but more about just like, I want to live in another country. And we both said from that experience that that's when we felt like we learned the most in the shortest amount of time. So let's try to do that. And so we ended up leaving our jobs and moving to Mexico. And so that was great because one... What part? So Mexico City, the first few months we were living with my uncle Miguel, my aunt Lee, um, which is great because my whole family is bilingual my whole life. So I didn't speak Spanish. I didn't grow up speaking Spanish. I learned it in school, did it the hard way. And when I would go there when I was a kid, I would never speak it because my cousins would make fun of me. Like, and they understood me. So why, why would I need to do it? But my grandmother, my abuela and my one uncle and his wife, they, they, they didn't speak Spanish, speak English, excuse me. And so we lived with them. <laughs> and so it was putting our Spanish skills to the test. And uh, that was great. So we did that in the beginning. And then we both got jobs as teachers. So we were teachers. And, um, and then we got our own apartment and everything. And you were teaching basically English as a second language? or were so, you t- so my first job was English as a second language. And then I switched... Um, to which is interesting it was at an international school and so my kids weren't even Mexican they were from all over the world and their parents were here for work and so they're in this school um anyway so that was interesting but I only did that for a short amount of time then I switched my husband ended up teaching at that school full-time and I switched to my cousin's school my my cousin she was a senior in high school 
and I started working for the English department there, and I taught ninth grade English, 10th grade English, and it's like what you would learn here. I taught Fahrenheit for, you know. Do I yeah. talk about being able to soak up the culture and stuff? Oh, it was great. My grandmother, so my abuela was um, still alive at that point, and um, so the relationship that I had always hoped for um, I was able to have that. I also had a relationship with my family that was not through my mother. You know, when we moved there, I had my mom call my uncle and say, can Pam come? <laughs> um, and, um, and of course, yes, of course. But then when we're there, now it's like I can call my Aunt Lee and we can talk and we can have the relationship and I know the gossip and I know all the stuff and it's not through my mother. It's my relationships. You have a direct relationship. Yeah, and they love Alex. You know, they... Alex, it's funny. He studied Italian in um, in college. He was he was doing the I think the opposite. He was trying to reject his background, and so he was immersing himself in Italian. He studied in Florence. That's what he did. But he knew Spanish, and um, and then he, he sort of you know flicked that switch. And in Me- in Mexico, you know, they said he spoke Spanish better than me. They thought he was just, anyway, they, they love him. He's also a man who grew up in the United States, who has a, a strong mother. And so my husband knows how to clean. He knows how to do dishes. He knows how to cook. And they thought he was a saint. <laughs> just Respected women. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's, that's amazing. That's good. Yeah. That's wonderful. You, your family celebrated education. Oh, my whole life, yeah. And you celebrate education. I mean, it has personally benefited you. Yes, absolutely. Um, And so now you're trying to serve on a school board, which ostensibly is about education. Should be. <laughs> let us let us hope and let's hope and pray. Right, but it, it ends up becoming about politics. You know, and so we're at a really, really curious time. So you're running for the school board in a suburban county. Yep. Which is getting more and more populous. It's um, actually has the greatest migration in of all the counties in, in North Carolina. I was just looking at demographics. Of all 100. All 100 and counties. And we're talking about Cabarrus. We're in Cabarrus County. Uh, there's a great, yeah, we, there's a big population. And I think, you know, so with any area with growth, you know, struggles happen. And um, unfortunately, the area of the county that I live in. Uh, which is? Which is the west side of Cabarrus. Um close to Mecklenburg. So are you in a city limit? Are you in Yeah, a- I'm in Concord. Okay. Uh, but on, I'm not downtown Concord, mm-hmm. which is what people think of. Uh, it's probably the same amount of distance it's- for me to get there as it is to get to Charlotte. But yes, the area that I live in is, um, I would say it's definitely, we're, we're one of the more affluent areas. So yeah, it's, um, it's changed a lot in a very short amount of time. Um, so I was just talking to someone today about affordable housing. There's really not a ton of it on my side of the, of the county. So here's what I'm getting at. What does education, like you could be doing a lot of things with your time, what does education represent to you, public education? So going back to values, right? So I, I told you about how my husband went to public school and I went to um, private school and then we landed in the same place. So he, his parents specifically moved to Westfield, New Jersey, which is one of the best school districts in the country. And he did really well in that school and made it to Tufts. And I did it a different way. And I got to Tufts too. So he, you know, when we're talking about, well, if we have kids, like, what are we going to do? What, you know, what, um, he was all about public schools. I said, well, it depends on the public schools. I mean, it depends on where. Amen. Right. It's not an accident. I live where I live. Yeah. It was very intentional. Right. And we moved there, and my girls go went to the best. I have a daughter who's in middle school now. She went to the best elementary school she could go to. She's in the best middle school that she could go to. We lost that middle school last year. Um, what do you mean lost it? Redistricting. Oh, okay. And so that's how I started getting involved. So I went from this whole pandemic has been one of the most stressful things as a parent. Also, for everybody, that's not fair. Everybody's been going through a lot, right? We've, we've grieved 
we've lost a lot of things. But part of that anxiety-inducing moments were watching the school board meetings. I mean, you, ne- you don't know what these people are going to do. You just don't know what they're going to do. It's a helpless feeling. It's, you, you know, you don't. So, yeah. Watching that meeting, those meetings, um, we just, it makes you want to change them. In what way? There's not civil discourse. <laughs> They're not, they don't listen to each other. There's not collaboration. There's definitely a lot of tension. Uh, there's playing to the cameras. There's, it's, it's just, it just feels like the focus isn't on education. So, right, we've established that that's a value that's, like, near and dear to my heart. Like, that's probably one of the top, you know, top two, three things in my life. So for to see people not take it seriously um, is disheartening. And that's not okay. Um, I don't live where I live so that my kids' education is not going to be taken seriously. There are all kinds of schools which are quote-unquote, the best. And because any one school in those high schools is actually like three or four different tracks. You can do IB, you can do AP, you can do... Right. There's a kind of a, um, a vota- vocational technical kind of track the path that, is, you yeah. can, that you can choose. And so I'm always... I'm, I, I guess what I'm doing is I'm pushing back a little bit against the notion that there is one the best. No, I, I agree with that. And, and Cabarrus County has done a lot of things that are great. I mean, program choice is one of their, where you can go to all these different schools. There's, you know, technical, you can do STEM, you can do IB. Um, my youngest is in uh, Mandarin Immersion. It happens to be our home school, but it's a program choice. Um, that's going to take her on a different path where she won't, for middle school won't go to the next home schools. And I don't think you or I would have had that even at private schools. Oh, no. Mm-mm. I mean, so now public schools are offering things that we couldn't even get in private schools. Oh, absolutely. And I'm a ton older than you, but, I mean, even when you were going to Catholic school in Philly, you know, you, there's no Mandarin. <laughs> yeah, Catholic school, you did pay for it, but it didn't feel like, it, it didn't feel elite in any way, at least it, it, when your whole neighborhood's going there. It's not, you know, I grew up, like I said, in, yeah, anyway, it's just, that's not, that's not what it was. It's very much kind of working middle, you know, right. blue collar kind of place. Where I went to high school, mm-hmm. that's, that was elite. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't understand what Those money was. Quaker schools. I mean, the Obama girls, yeah. I believe, went to a Quaker yes, school. Yes, yep, yeah. they did. Mm-hmm. So those Quaker schools are amazing. People are killing one another to get into those places. And they pay. Yeah. And they pay. And, and they pay college kind of, you know, I pay less for my kids to go to college at a state school than you go to Correct. these kind of schools. Which is part of the motivation for being down here in the South. We love it. Mm-hmm. The cost of living, what we've been able to achieve, what we can do, you know, our home, our life, like the traffic, like all these different things that, you know, when you look at quality of life, look, look, I was in news for 10 years. I've lived in a lot of places where people didn't want to live. And, and when we got here that we were like, first of all, this Carolina blue sky thing is real. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you're seeing the sun. Yeah. You see it all the time and people want to be here. And so that whole dynamic, I mean, this is a great place. We, we've, this is the longest we've ever lived in a place as adults, both of us. And so this is very much home. So we, yeah, I, I guess I want to do everything I can to make it good. Um, th- that's, that's what I believe in. Well, let me ask it to you this way. So now I'm, I don't have kids in schools. There are plenty of people um, in Cabarrus County who don't have kids in schools, who don't want to sit and go through the torture of watching these school board meetings. Right. And so... But, it, but as a taxpayer, so, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm getting at is why should I care about the school board race? Because um, schools are an economic engine. Thank you. They absolutely are. Yeah. Uh, just like for me, I was able to live in another country. I ended up coming back, getting my master's at Syracuse. I became a broadcast journalist. I l- traveled all over the country. My husband 
um, eventually went and got his MBA from UNC, Keenan Flagger. Like, he was working for Lowe's this whole time um, when I was a reporter in all these different places, and then he came here and was a store manager and then went over to corporate. And um, so education gives you the ability to move, to to learn, to grow in a way that I, I look, I didn't come from money, so I'm sure it's a little bit easier to, to do life that way. But education is, it is absolutely the gateway to, I think, what you, having a fulfilling life. And right. so, and that- so, so you want your schools to be the good because you want your grandkids to grow up nearby, right? You don't want your kid to go off to New York and never come back. You want the ha- you want them to be in the neighborhood. So um, you want Cabarrus County to be an attractive place for families because that's good for everybody. And what attractive looks like to me, this is what it is dismaying to me when I hear personally, um, as a person who cares about my fellow humans. When I hear that economic mobility in in Charlotte, where there's so much wealth, yeah. uh, is there are these barriers, real or perceived? It could just be because people don't know how to work the system; they don't know how to get the Mandarin class, and it could be because perception is reality. You know, well, this doesn't work for me on the West Side, you know, or this doesn't work for me on the East Side. Um, that we're not the same as the South Side, you know. That yeah. we're not we're not getting the same schools, the same PTA participation. That you know, like the, the, our elevator is broke. We got to take the stairs, you know. We don't get catapulted up. But I agree with you that education is the way. Whether it's community college training to Absolutely. get you into, you know, and Cabarrus has this awesome the pathways that they have. They, yes, they, it's amazing. They, yes, the, what they're doing. But people need to know what they can get from this system. If they don't, so know I'm that a professional. Sentence. So this is the thing. I'm a professional communicator. This is what I have done as for a living. I was a journalist. I'm now in public information. I've been doing that for the last six years. I know how to communicate. I know how to get information out. So you're absolutely right. There's tons of meetings no one pays attention to, and there isn't the best reporting out that happens. So yeah, it would be great that the meetings, I've st- I go to every meeting, I sit there in person because I think it's very different to watch something on a screen versus being in the room because you get the feeling of like what's really happening. But yeah, I learned all about the pathways um, sitting there at the meeting because when the public comment ends and everybody leaves, I stick around to hear what's, what's really happening. And so, unfortunately, that's not coming on until 9.30 at night. But that's, that's what the schools are doing. There's lots of stuff. And I'm saying we're award-winning across the county. It's not just, yes, I live in a great area. And, I did yes, I did that on purpose. But across the county, we have award-winning schools. We have award-winning programs. And, yeah, not everybody knows about them unless you have a kid in school. But again, the parents are here because they want the schools to be good. How many people are talking about plumbing, electricity? Who's going to build this infrastructure? But also, what else are we talking about as far as learning loss, bouncing back from that? You know, the state board just came out with information about how. Uh, the more time you spent in school, the better you're doing. So, well, in Cabarrus, we were 50-50. Two days a week we were at home, and two days we were in the classroom. Uh, And then there were lots of kids that opted to stay home. So there's a lot of kids that we need to be focusing on. My my kids, uh, yeah, they, they have a lot of benefits. One, they weren't teeny tiny. They knew how to read by the time we were going through this. But yeah, you know, there are kids who did kindergarten and first grade. They don't even know what real school is, you know, without a mask, without, you know, Zoom or whatever. And so we need to be talking about that. We need to talk about the mental health that everyone is, you know. Teachers are burnt out. They are so stressed, and they're leaving in droves. And so the ones who stay are filling in. They lose their planning periods. They're super stressed. They, so th- they're one break in the day. Imagine, imagine having to be on eight hours a day. 
As a reporter, I had to do it for my two minutes, right, for two or three shows. But as a teacher, you're, you're on the whole time. I mean, I get home, and I don't even want to talk to anybody. I can't imagine having 30 or 40 kids, you know, bombarding me with questions all day long. And you don't have a break. They don't have a break because they have to give up that planning se session and go watch another classroom because the sub, there's no subs. There's no th they, they're leaving they're exhausted. Of course, we, we've never valued teachers, so no one's ever given them what they deserve. But now they're like, could you please you know, bail us out, give us some sort of bonus? And then in Cabarrus County, we're not even trying to match what the surrounding counties are doing. We can't match Mecklenburg. You know, we can't give them $5,000. We didn't get that much money from the feds. But we could. Can't we do what Union County did? Can't we do what Rowan County did? I mean, they're comparable in size. Why aren't we... Why aren't we why aren't we giving them a reason to stay? If they're teachers, it's a calling. Just like being a priest, being a nun, I believe being a teacher is a calling. Being a nurse is a calling. You don't do that for the money. You do it because you believe that that's your mission in life to do it. Um, because you can get paid a lot more money doing anything else. Um, but they're there because they do, they love our kids. They love our kids. My teachers, they were my kids' teachers, but my teachers are just... I, you know, I remember when Lila started kindergarten, and I, I was, I'm a new parent. I've never been to school, right? She's, her first day of kindergarten was my first day at WBTV. And I remember the bus, the whole thing. It's just like, it's like super vivid. And um, we had Mrs. Deal. And Mrs. Deal, we saw her at one of, like, a month later, there was like a school fair or whatever, and she's there. And Lila, ran up to her and gave her a big hug. And she's this warm southern woman. So just even that, like, um, y'all, the whole, everything. Like, you know, th that's not how I grew up. I had nuns. Like, we, <laughs> we, did, we did hug Sister Pat. But it wasn't the same thing. I was just so thankful. I'm so appreciative of what they do for my kids that, yeah, if I can, if I can be their voice, that would be wonderful. Like, they don't feel comfortable right now speaking up for themselves. They, they put a whole, um, what do we call it, um, petition together, asking for more money. And then I went to the school board meeting last month, and they didn't come and ask. There was only one teacher. There was me and another parent. We were the only people talking about this. And they don't feel comfortable. They're scared about losing their jobs if they speak up. What kind of environment is that? You Leadership is from the top down, and if you don't value those teachers sitting up on the dais, well, then no one is. Your staff's not going to do it. It, it. You know, thank God we ha we do have great PTOs, and and our parents do awesome things. They're constantly thanking them, giving them gift cards, doing you know lunches and things like that. But um, but they're hurting right now, and no one is speaking up for them. And when you talk about the people who've made the biggest difference in your life, when you look back at it, I can tell you that my high school teachers, they're way up there. My grade school teachers, you know, those are the people who are profoundly influential, more than your early bosses, more than your uh -huh. colleagues, more than those, because you are so malleable, you're so formable. You know, they're, they're, they can make or break you, and a really bad teacher you know, who's like a bully or, right. you know, I've heard, I've heard men with gray hair talk about how they were bullied and belittled by, you know, right. so like that's, a gym teacher or a coach or so something. So you want those good qualified teachers who yes. love what they're doing to stay where they are. Yes. And why aren't we focusing on retention? We, in, in, in Cabarrus County, the HR person speaks, and she says they're focused on recruitment right now. And they're talking about, you know, and I get it. they got to fill these holes that are, that are left. But don't, don't forget about retention. Mm -hmm. And then they also say, well, yeah, we saw this coming, and this isn't different than any other place. Well, don't pat yourself on the back for that. At the end of the day, the teacher in that classroom is the boots on the ground, the person who's 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 doing all the work yeah I, I you're right when you think about people who've influenced you I mean I'm I'm lucky that I don't have 
too many negative experiences with teachers. They're, the vast majority are positive. And um, I still have relationships with some of my teachers because, yeah, because they're just, they're wonderful people. And I have. I've been talking to a lot of teachers now through this. And I say that to, like, one of the social studies teachers, I was like, I'm just so thrilled that you like me or that you want to talk to me. I said, because I, I can't explain to you. Social studies is my favorite class. Like, I... Lila had had an awesome social study teacher last year, like such a cool guy, raps and does this all this stuff. So it's um, I value their opinion. I it, it means a lot to my kids, but it also means a lot to me. And so yeah, I really do think um, we need to take care of them and we need to stop doing what's been talked about because that's not what's happening in the classroom. This your, your teacher's in the classroom and she's exhausted. She, the old motto of journalism was to not just hold the powerful accountable, but to give voice to the voiceless. And what you're saying is teachers really don't have a voice. They do not. And you're saying you'd give them one. Oh, absolutely. I believe it's powerful to tell your story, to share your story. That's how I would get lots of people to share their stories. And everybody wants to be seen. Everyone should be heard. And um, that's not necessarily happening right now. And you think that you could use this kind of little bit of political power to sit there at least in that boardroom and give voice to them or, you know, stand with them. And right. Or even give voice to my neighborhood, because the reality is, is where we live in the county, we have zero representation on the board. It's a countywide seat when you run. So it's not broken down by districts and we have no representation. So going back to this small thing about how I got started with the school board, we went through a redistricting thing and I really felt like they weren't listening to us because who were we? I don't, I'm not interested in political power. That's not what I'm interested in, but I do recognize I have to be in the room to influence the conversation. And so I need to be on the school board. Well, if you're not interested in political power, why the hell not? Because that's what you're talking about doing. That's the only way they can show up and be right. seen I guess, is, to, is to have that. Right, right, right. So, no, but I'm yeah, saying I'm not interested in the politics. I'm not interested oh, in I playing politics. Yeah, I don't want... Yeah. Right. And unfortunately, that's part of the election process and, and getting there. And that's what they've been wrapped up in doing for Do the... Do not run away from politics, my friend. It's the only way anything gets done. Okay. You know? So embrace it. Well, that's yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm diving in. Like you I want never... the power, you just don't want it for yourself. That's Correct. what you're telling me. Right. Because you want the power on behalf of. Correct. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I can buy in. I'd vote for that. Okay. But, I mean, there's, there's no sense. Don't shy away from power. Assume your power. Right. You better puff up, mama, and take that power, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, it's Because they're not going to frickin' hand it to you. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And so... That's what I said. I, I'm very much a mama bear. All through redistricting, that's what we were doing. And you're not just fighting for your kids. No, I'm fighting for everybody's kids. I'm fighting for all of our kids. I'm fighting for all of our teachers. I'm fighting for the entire community because it benefits all of us. I mean, you don't have to convince me. No, I don't. I mean, I'm with you. Right, but I'm going to have to convince a lot of other people. And I, I'm glad that it's nonpartisan. Because I'm hoping that the talk can be about the real issues and not about party politics. Because again, race is at the right at the core of all of that. Yeah, right? yeah. And are we going to teach kids about slavery or not? That's just as simple as that. I am um, working with a great group. I call them my kitchen cabinet. It's all these moms and one dad. We're we're trying to do this. Uh, and um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I have. It's a. It's a tough path, um, but I do believe that if you put in the work, you can get there. I won't pretend that this is easy, but there's a means to an end, and and the goal is to to take care of these schools. I always ask the same thing in the end, and that is, if you and I got struck by lightning today, mm -hmm. like right now. And the only thing that survived was this little piece of digital audio. What is your legacy now? Wow. I've not heard this question, by the way. I did my homework. I'm a mama bear. 
I'm a mama bear who cares about my kids and your kids, and I'm going to do everything I can. Um, yeah, I think that's what my legacy is. God bless you. I wish you luck. Thank you. Pam, thanks for making time. Thank you. Let me just say parenthetically that uh, thank you, Pam, and considering the kind of slurs and slights that Mexican-Americans have endured, particularly recently, and the kind of one-size-fits-all, you know, stereotyping, she fights against this. She, she cuts against all that. She's a real giver, um, and, you know, I just, I like her. I really do. I, you know, I admire. I've thought about running for office for about a millisecond, and um, I really admire anybody who gets out there and does the kind of in-the-trenches work. She's a mama bear. She fight for your kids, too. Thanks, Pam. Man Listening is a production of Unmediated LLC in cooperation with the Queen City Podcast Network and Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative and Rachel Clapp Miller are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Catherine Smith. That's me. Please go to our Patreon page. You'll find us at patreon.com. Look for Man Listening, one word, no spaces. We hope you'll join us by becoming a member. A small investment can raise up the conversation. If you want exclusive member merch, like a t-shirt, we can arrange that too. A huge shout out and thank you to everyone, and I mean everyone, who has supported Man Listening however you did from the very beginning. Thanks so much. Don't forget to support us at Patreon. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks. <laughs>